Welcome to the King's Chapel, Alaska podcast. From wherever you are listening, we are so excited that you tuned in today. Let's prepare our hearts to hear from God's Word. I've been to Cane Ridge probably three times. And um, a few weeks ago, we were in a meeting in eastern Kentucky. We had seven pastors in a meeting. And I'm going to tell you something right now. No one ministry can bring an awakening to America. Uh, no prophet can bring a revival to America. It's going to take the entire body of Christ. And unity is not just something we do to get together. Because unity doesn't mean that we don't have disagreements. Unity means we have one goal. And that one goal is to see lives change, people saved, people set free. I have to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, when Pastor Daniel talked about Cane Ridge, there has never been a Cane Ridge in Alaska. There has never really been a major historical move in Alaska. I know that. But that's getting ready to change. Because God has gathered a people unto himself for this moment in human history. And I think there is a, a prerequisite to revival. And I do have a lot of stories. I don't talk about them much. But uh, one time where Pastor Daniel and Pastor Karen were actually serving in Kula. But this was in 1995. They had not yet uh, pastored there in that season. I remember I showed up for early morning prayer at 5.30 in the morning. And at 3.30 in the afternoon, I was still there. And then the cloud came in, into the room, and it just stayed there. A friend of mine, Mike Landry, was still there with me. And um, at that moment, I realized that there comes a time when the tangible presence of the God comes into the room. Because you, you have to ask yourself, why would God do that? He doesn't manifest his presence just to entertain us. He manifests his presence in, in, in tokens because he wants us to create a hunger inside of us for more of what he can do. I want you to lift your hands to Jesus right now. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the spirit of fire. We thank you for the spirit of the Lord that is going to come into this room. It's going to sweep from the front of the church to the back of the church. From the right to the left. From the platform to the children's church in the back. All through this campus right now, we loose the spirit of the Lord. We loose the spirit of justice. We loose the spirit of prophecy. We loose the spirit of revival upon every single person within the sound of my voice right now.
the Lord would say this to this house. This is both going to be an hour of weeping and an hour of joy simultaneously. You'll weep over the fact that I have answered the cry of your heart. The joy that you will receive because all of a sudden inside your eternal being you will experience a freedom that you have never known before. Even over this state which seemingly seems dark and gloomy where suicide and incense and immorality have existed for years. The spirit of conviction will fall upon people. The spirit of, of supplication and prayer will fall upon people. And I will, I will draw them to the house of God they will sense that they have to get in their car and they have to come to the house of God. I will give them the address of this place. They will draw from the north, the south, the east, and the west, says the Lord. Simply because I am drawing people that are tired of stale religion. They are tired of just existing. They are tired of just surviving. And the Lord says, even now, I am shifting. I am even shifting leadership. I want leadership that, that do have the spirit of excellence along with the spirit of revival together. I will, I will raise up that kind of leadership. Put your hand on your heart all over the room right now. I want you to say this after me, Jesus, here I stand tonight in your presence. I'm not here to be entertained. I'm just not here to get a prophecy. I'm here for a transformation. And right now, God, my heart is open. My spirit is ready to receive all that you have for me in Jesus name now give God a crazy shout in the room right now is there a victory shout of the camp tonight you may be seated my brother why, why they're seated I want you to remain standing right here yes sir would you come out to the there in the front, I want to pray for you. Just forth your hands to this gentleman. The Spirit of the Lord would say this. You will influence the political realm of this territory. You will sit at the dinner table around people who are involved politically and you will prophesy the word of the Lord to them. 
and what you will do in this season of your life is you will bring them to a place of encounter with God. Because you will speak things that only heaven would know. Not to expose, but to heal. Because all your life, from the time I saved you many years ago, I have made you a healer. You came in a place, you came alongside many who were discouraged, and you put your arm around them. And not only did you express generosity economically, you gave of yourself. And son, I want to tell you, the Lord says your greatest gift is not just your talent, it's your words. Because your words bring such transformation in the hearts of men and women. Because even in the moment of crisis, in the moment of it looks like there's no hope, you have constantly remained and stayed and become that voice of hope in the, in the face of hopelessness. And God says this, even when your own physical body was under attack seven years ago, the Spirit of God said, you prophesied to that body. And you said, I am not finished yet. And God says, you're not finished yet. You have just begun. There is a new lease. There is a new contract coming that is bigger than you could ever imagine. And that God is going to release resources to you. And you are going to be a funnel of his blessing. Father, from the top of his head to the sole of his feet. Touch him right now in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Never to be the same again. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'd like my niece, Claire, to stand up. Claire, you're going to have to stand up in front of these people. That's what happens when you're with uncle. Stretch forth your hands. Isn't she a beautiful Tongan, like my beautiful wife? And so we're just so thankful that Claire, haven't seen her since she was very little. Claire. The Spirit of the Lord brought you here, and he brought you here to Alaska for one purpose, and that is to move your heart. Because there's one thing God wants me to tell you. I haven't talked to you, but the Lord's calling is on your life, and he is going to redeem you. He is going to take away all shame and all pain from you and make you so strong on the inside. And I see you, I, I, I see you, literally, I, this is what I see, I see you establishing your own clothing line, your own 
confession line. I see you doing things that are on the internet and over the internet that, that nobody's going to stop. And daughter, don't give up on your dream, says the Lord. Because there's a Joseph anointing, an entrepreneurial anointing upon your life. From the time you were born, you beat to the sound of a different drum. That's why you, that, and you've experienced a lot of things in your life. But at, yet at the same time, it seems like constantly on the verge of your breakthrough, something hit you. It's like the, right when you were about to step into your blessing, step into economic rewards. It seemed like something hit you, something happened, and that knocked the air out of you. And the Lord says, I'm picking you up, daughter. And this time I'm grabbing a hold of your hand and you are going to finish the course because I'm not going to let the dream die that I placed in you. You've got to understand what I'm going to tell you right now. There's something that I know in the life of Joseph. The brothers were not in control of his destiny. And I want you to know something. I want you to look me right in the eye. Your family is not in control of your future. And the brothers were not in control of his future. Pharaoh was not in control of his future. The dream of God was. And daughter, this is a moment. God brought you here all the way from Anchorage to tell you this. God's awakening the dream inside of you. Lift your hands. Father, from the top of her head. To the sole of her feet. Put your hand on her forehead, Meliana. Touch her right now in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Never to be the same again. You better give God a shout of praise in the house. Hallelujah. 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 In just a couple of minutes. Are you going to share, sweetie? You'll share real quick. Isn't she beautiful? I won't tell you how old she is. Tell them. Tell them how lucky I am. <laughs> tell them. She's, 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 she's 41. Praise God. Hallelujah. Are you glad you're back here in the presence of God tonight? Yes, I am. Uh, I love telling stories. Um, early this year. John and I hopped on a plane, flew to Orlando, uh, Florida, to do a half marathon. And um, we flew because of the time difference, and we were so busy preaching in California every night. Flew over there, and I forgot they are three hours ahead from California. So I had only one hour sleep to do a half marathon. And I was so busy the day, the, the day we arrived because we were doing some uh, shooting videos and all that. And woke up early, had a one-hour sleep, show up at the uh, starting line to do this half marathon. Dawn on me, I haven't looked up the route. Where is this marathon, half marathon is going to be? Listen, you are not driving. You are running. You better know where you're going, Okay. <laughs> So here, then I was, grabbed my phone, trying to look up where the route is going to be. Then the gun went off. We have to start running. Then all of a sudden, so I put back my phone. I'm, I don't have time to look it up, where the route is going to be. Then a thought came to my mind. There are going to be a lot of fast runners. 
strong runners in this race. And guess what Meliana is going to do? I am going to fix my eyes on a fast runner and the strong runners, and they will guide me and lead me to the finish line. Amen? <laughs> so guess what? That's exactly what I did that morning. I, the gun went off, and I start running, and I fix my eyes. I know I can finish it. The, I can finish the, the, the half marathon, but I did not know where to go. I was depending on the fast runners and the strong runners to guide me and lead me to the finish line again. And guess what? That's exactly what happened that morning. And I made it to the finish line and completed the half marathon back in January this year. And I'm 61 years old. You want me to tell you how old I was? I'm 61 years old and I just did it a half marathon. I'm so proud of myself. <laughs> I brag about it. <laughs> Why? Because I'm so happy that I just did a half marathon. That was back in January, but for me, I just did it. Okay? <laughs> so anyway, I was so thrilled, so grateful. I was so glad to see my brother and my niece's nephew here. They're so happy to see them. I found out they're in Anchorage. One of his daughter moved there. So happy. Moved from Hawaii. So I was so glad to see them. So anyway, but the reason why I share with you the story is because the Lord brought it to my mind of how important it is for you and I to rise up knowing that there are people that you may not know that they are depending on you and I. Amen? Listen, there are so many people like me. I was so busy. With the ministry, I mean, I did not have time to look up the map where the route is going to be. Listen, there are people that will walk through that door. They are so busy with life. I believe they are depending. They walk through that door expecting and trusting that you'll give them direction on how to get to the presence of God. When they reach the presence of God, they will find peace, joy, love, what they will need for life. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. Listen, that's why we can't afford to play with sin. We can't afford to be offended. We can't afford, listen, those fast runners that morning, they have no idea that there is this slow lady right behind them, that she is depending on them. They don't even, I don't even know who they are, but I was depending on them. If they turn left, I will turn left. If they turn right, I will turn right. Why? Because I don't know where to go. Listen, God wants revival more than you and I. But God is looking for people that rise up and know who they are. Listen, I am not about to follow somebody that is so timid, afraid of everything. I'm going to follow somebody that knows who they are. I'm going to follow somebody that depending on the word of God. 
Why? Because I know they will guide me. They will lead me to the finish line. I'm not about to follow somebody that is offended about everything, afraid of everything. That means when you face a situation, a crisis, or you get hurt, you will turn left. And guess what? I will not know where to go. That's why it's so important. Please spend quality time with God in prayer and in his word. Every time the church door is open, we need to be here. Why? To make us strong, strengthen ourselves so we can make it to the finish line. Why? Because there are people that are watching us. There are people, they know that you come here. To KC. There are people that know that you're a Christian. Are you going to get offended? Get upset? Afraid of everything? How can they trust you? How can they come to church? If they see you afraid, offended about everything, knowing that you will drop them somewhere on the way. You will not lead them all the way to the finish line. But God is looking. That's why I will encourage you that his book, Awakening the Lion, it's a great book for leadership. It's about time to rise up, know who we are. Listen, if we love our children, if we love our grandchildren, if we love our family, we will not have time to get offended. We will not have time afraid about everything because why they are watching you and I they don't know how to reach the finish line they are depending on you and I I made up my mind God here I am strengthen me I may not I like what I said earlier I know that I will reach the finish line why because I I have I have Strengthen myself, I exercise a lot, but because I was so busy, then I know I have to rely on somebody. That's why, like what he said, with revival, God needs everybody. Amen. There are people that are watching you, your co-workers, your family, they're watching you. That's why we can't afford. Get hurt, offended, afraid. Let's make it to the finish line. Amen. Praise God. Give Jesus a big hand clap. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, God. I couldn't wait till tonight simply because I'm going to preach this message that the Lord laid on my heart simply because Normally, I don't have a title, but tonight I have a title. The title of my message tonight is Imagination Turned Prophetic. Everybody say, Imagination Turned Prophetic. I believe something with all my heart, ladies and gentlemen, that when you get born again, you get sanctified and are being sanctified. Which means that my imagination is being sanctified as well. Because God doesn't just sanctify a part of me, he sanctifies all of me. And with that, I want you to turn to Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5. 
Now, Mark chapter 5 has been preached on many, many years and, and probably better than I could preach it, especially when you talk about the woman with the issue of blood. I will t- touch on her in a moment, but before I do, I'm not going to talk about her very much tonight. I'm going to talk about another individual within the context of that story. Because two weeks ago, when my wife and I were in prayer, the Lord said to us, I'm releasing the spirit of Jairus in the church. What is the spirit of Jairus? What is that spirit? Because how many need a miracle right now? How many know America needs a miracle? And I realize with all that's going on, with all that's happening right now, with with racial divide, economic uncertainty, COVID-19, politically, political unrest, facing the world right now, the only solution is the cross. I'm sorry, without the cross, you cannot, you cannot redeem humanity. There, there is no way. I'm, as, as we shared earlier, I don't know if Meliana shared it or when she shared it, but we were on a private plane and flying from our home, and oh, the, the pilot came and picked us up near our house, and then we flew up to Pikeville, um, Virginia a few weeks ago, and we stopped in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and I walked in there to get something to drink and, and while the plane was being refueled, and I walked in in front of Time, Magazine and had a picture of Joe Biden and Camilla Harris, and with a line on Time Magazine, a time to heal. I'm sorry if the government has to heal the, the nation, then we're in trouble. Because the only person that can heal the nation is Jesus Christ. Because he's the because he is the king of every nation. Come on. He's the one that can heal nations. But Jairus is in a predicament. And I'm going to read out of the NIV 1984 edition, and I say that on purpose. Your your pastor probably said the same thing. It says, "Then then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. Why did Jairus come to Jesus? You gotta understand the, the language that Mark writes is very he's a synagogue leader. You have to understand that most synagogue leaders hated Jesus. But Jairus was a, a of a different mindset. His mindset was, I'm not having miracles in my church. And Jesus is having miracles in his church. And I want what's happening in Jesus' church to happen in my church. And so I don't care what it takes. I don't care because he's taking a risk by going to Jesus because he could lose his credentials. He could lose his reputation with his other constituents because synagogue leaders and Pharisees didn't like Jesus. But how many know when you're desperate, you really don't care what anybody thinks? That when you're desperate, you're really not worried about what your constituents think because right now you're in a crisis and you need a miracle. Because when you need a miracle, what begins to happen is all of a sudden you live differently, think differently, and take greater risk. The reason why people don't take risk is the mir- they don't need a miracle bad enough. But when you need a miracle, when it affects the very core of your being, you don't really care. Come on. Are you hearing me? And, and I really believe that right now, for the most part, America, we still got it good right now. But we haven't got to the place uh, where Jairus was where we really don't care that whatever it takes to bring a miracle, that's what I'm going to do. This is what I want to get this. I want you to get this into your spirit, ladies and gentlemen. 
Because in 23 is what changed me when I read it. First of all, when you encounter Jesus, you're not going to stand up. Everybody that people talk to me, I encountered Jesus, and they're still standing. I doubt it. When you encounter Jesus, you're going to be down on the ground. When he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. When you see Jesus, you don't stand anymore. But this is what hit me. He pleaded earnestly with him. My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. Now that tells me something. That tells me prior to, G, prior to Jairus meeting Jesus, he already had an imagination, an image that G, I'm going to go to Jesus. Jesus is going to lay his hands on my little girl who is dying, and, he, and, he, and my little girl is going to be healed. Let me just tell you right now, I have a vision for America. That the hand of God lay his hand upon the church. Come on. Churches that are closing down, ministries that are quitting, ministries that don't want to do, want to lay over and don't want to do anything. I have a vision of God putting his hand on the church of America. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because, you, because whatever image or whatever vision you have, you will walk toward that. So Jairus, as he said that, Jesus tells him, I'm coming over to your house. Meanwhile, on the way to the house, we have another story within this story because it took 12 years for this woman to get an imagination. Why would you suffer for 12 years before your imagination turns prophetic? 12 years of bleeding, 12 years of scarcity, 12 years of pain. And finally, she got an image. If I just touch the hem of his garment, I will be made whole. I don't want to wait 12 years to be made whole. I don't want to wait 12 months to be made whole. I don't want to wait 12 minutes to be whole because God can make me whole in 12 seconds. Are you hearing what I'm saying, ladies and gentlemen? And as she does that and touches him, Jairus witnesses the whole thing because he makes the statement, who touched me? And the disciples are shocked. What do you mean? A, 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 there's been a crowd that has been following you all day. Who touched you? No, who touched me? Because we never come to church thinking about this. We want to be touched. We don't think, can we touch him? How, and I want to use this language here because I want you to see this. Do we behave in a way that touches Jesus? 
do we do things that touch Jesus? Because when I do something that touches Jesus, what's going to happen is, is there's going to be an automatically, what's going to flow out of him is he's going to automatically touch me. Because I'm not going to let you touch me without me touching you. Come on. Because he's a debtor of no man. Jairus witnesses the miracle right there. He sees it with his own eyes. But here's where the narrative gets very, very interesting because how many know there's an attack on your vision and an attack on your imagination? You know what I'm saying? On your man, because let me just tell you, it, it, when there's warfare, that's when you realize that your vision becomes bigger than the facts. Because here come, now listen, this is the language, it's amazing. Because in verse 35, it says, while Jesus was still speaking. So here's Jesus talking to the people. Because people who have no vision interrupt what Jesus is saying. Pastor wanted me to say that again. People that don't have an imagination, people that don't have a vision actually interrupt what Jesus is saying to you. What happens, ladies and gentlemen, is notice what, while Jesus is talking and everybody's attention and focus is on the Lord, listen to the language here, some people from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader, so in other words, the warfare is not out there, the warfare is in here. The warfare is in the church, in, the, in our own house. Because in our own house, we find out who has a sanctified imagination. <laughs> who has the real image for healing and miracles. Who has the real image for the building? Who has the real image for, for, for having this church as soon as you open, you have 2,500 people on a Sunday morning? Who has that image? Are you hearing what I'm saying? Not who's getting caught up in the petty nonsense of what doesn't matter that, that, that gets in the way of that vision. Are you, we're going to find out right now who has the imagination. Because here at this point, here what they do. Now, they don't approach Jesus. But this is what they do. They tell Jairus, your daughter is dead. They said, why bother the teacher anymore? In other words, because of the facts, because you tested positive. Oh, come on. Because you tested positive, now your vision can't come to pass. You lie and stinking devil. I'm here to put you on, I'm going to put you on the stand and I'm going, to, I'm going to rip you to shreds because what you're doing to God's people, I've had enough of it right now. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Now, ladies and gentlemen, I want to say this, but here's exactly what they did. They, they whisper in the ear of Jairus. Because sometimes what we have is we come to church, we hear the preaching of God's word. We get stirred up for a moment, we go home, and we hear the whispers. We hear the whispers in our ears that are contrary to the vision that God just spoke to us. 
You know what I'm saying? Are you hearing me? And there's this war going on on the inside of our soul because guess what? We, we, now, I'm not here to deny the facts. I'm not here to deny that the daughter was dead. But see, just because I heard the data doesn't change the vision that God has given me. Because if statistics change your vision, then you did not get a vision from God. You got to. Because, ladies and gentlemen, all of a sudden, he's inundated. He's inundated with the facts that, in other words, why don't you tell Jesus, don't go any further? But there's going to be an impartation here tonight because you came tonight to church because you want your faith to go further than the facts. Let me come back to that in a moment because I'm not in a hurry. In John 2, when Jesus says the first miracle with turning water into wine, I thought about the church. Because when Mary found out that there was no wine at the wedding, let me tell you what she didn't do. She didn't leave the wedding. And we got too many Christians leaving the wedding when they have access to the power of God. Are you hearing me? When you have favor with God, you're leaving where God has called you to be because God has called you to release a word of transformation because you have access to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Has the church forgotten what she has access to? The fact said, there's no more wine. That's it. I'm going to go find me a wedding that has wine. I'm going to find me a church that has wine. Why don't you be an instrument of transformation instead of whining about the church? They don't allow the spirit of move. They're too time conscious. Get over it right now. Just get over it and realize, you know what? I'm coming to church because I have access to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, just like that preacher behind the pulpit. Facts. If Mary was led by facts, she would have never gone to Jesus and said, Jesus, please turn the water into wine. Or please, we've run out of wine. We, you know, we need more of you. Jairus hears the facts, ladies and gentlemen. Why bother? Everybody say, why bother? When I... Read that. Why bother? It's just a Sunday night. Why bother? We're in a pandemic. Why bother? Things are not going to get any better. 
Look at all the things that are happening. And I'm not here to make fun of anything. Please don't misunderstand me. But what I'm saying, when the church gets to the place of why bother, she might as well close the doors. I'm going to bother you. I'm going to bother Jesus. Come on. I'm going to bother heaven. I'm going to knock on heaven. Your pastor got up and cried. And got the greatest revival in America was in Cambridge. There was more manifestations of God's power. You know what? You couldn't even go outside in certain cities because there was so much crime and alcoholism throughout that region that people were afraid to even go to the store because there were so many thievery. And America needed a miracle. But a group of men, come on, and, and, and guess what? And there were, they were reports of people out under the power of God for days. Come on. Days on end. I've studied that revival. And let me just tell you, you know what? And they could have said, why bother? Look at the culture. Look at how the mess it is. Look at how people, look at America. It'll never recover. Why bother the teacher anymore? Well, let me just tell you, God likes people that bother him. Jesus wants you to bother him. He's not bothered by a son or bothered by a daughter. I was so desperate for an anointing on my life. I was so desperate for God to use me. Because here's the problem. When you're desperate for God to use, use you, if you, if you wait for someone to call you, see, see, see here's the thing. What, what are you going to do if Pastor Daniel doesn't call you? See, this is what the silly, oh, if Pastor Daniel calls me, then I'll know that I'm called. You ain't called. <laughs> I'm not waiting for Pastor Daniel to call me or Pastor Morocco to call me. I've been called by God. Stop bothering Pastor Daniel and start bothering Jesus. In other words, in other words, the people from Jairus' house wanted Jairus to agree with their lack of faith. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm not going to agree with anybody's lack of faith. Now, here's the good news. The good news, because this story is about good news. Because Jairus could have said, this is as far as I could go, Jesus. My daughter's dead. And you know, Jesus would have honored his faith. Well, that's what your faith is for. But I already said I'd come over whether she's dead or not. Jesus ain't coming back for a dead church. And I know a lot of preachers are standing up and say the church is dead. But let me just tell you right now, if she's dead, he's coming to resurrect her. I love this text. I love this phrase in verse 36. 
It says overhearing. Everybody say overhearing. I'm so glad that Jesus overhears what people say about me. What they said that attacked Jairus' imagination. And Jesus doesn't even address the people from Jairus' house. He talks to Jairus. Overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, don't be afraid, just believe. Now, now ladies and gentlemen, we need to get church, uh, uh, church, uh, Shirts, excuse me, shirts made, don't be afraid, just believe and walk around Alaska. I, have, I give you permission to start selling them right now. You know why? Because right now people are afraid and they don't believe. Don't be afraid, just believe. I want to walk around the house, don't be afraid, just believe. I got to walk on the airplane, don't be afraid, just believe. I gotta get I gotta get that thing stuck up my nose. Don't be afraid. Just believe. Come on. I, I I gotta make sure it comes back negative, not positive. Don't be afraid. Just believe. Because I because let me just tell you, when they ask you, have you been exposed to not, uh, uh, COVID nineteen? Everybody has been exposed. Don't be afraid. Just believe. Because the problem is, your faith is what's going to carry you through this next season. Your image of what you are believing God to do in your life is going to carry you through the next season. Not what they said. The facts aren't going to carry you. The statistics aren't going to carry you. You got these, you got these governors around the United States. Standing up every single day. So and so tested positive. This and this and this. Now you listen to that enough. Guess what's going to happen? You will be afraid. And you will not believe. So that means that when they say that, they don't want your faith to grow. Because this, this virus, it is, it is like has supernatural intelligence. Doesn't go on Southwest Airlines. Doesn't go into Walmart. Doesn't go into Home Depot. It only shows up at church. Don't be afraid. Just believe. California strip clubs are open, but you can't open your church. I mean, how dumb do you have to be? Because I, you know, I, I tell you something right now. I, I told my friends that I have good relationships with when I told them to open every church, and some of my friends opened their church. Because, you know, you're not supposed to gather in California. But you can gather at the strip club. What's up with that? How dumb you are. Then they threaten to shut your water off. And here's what I don't understand. You know, I don't agree with John MacArthur's theology. 
But this boy is standing up. And the Pentecostals are laying down. What's up with that? Because you know what? You and I, let me just tell you, don't get me started, but you and I have a doctrine called divine healing. It's called the atonement. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's called the atonement. That means every believer has the right, and because of what Jesus did on the cross, you have a right to be healed. Are you hearing me? But guess what? Because Jesus said this in Matthew 10, 8, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, cast out devils, right? That's what he said, right? So here's the problem. The problem today is that we don't believe what Jesus commissioned us to do. Because lepers were in isolation and quarantine by society, ladies and gentlemen. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That's why it's so demonic that I can't even go to the hospital. Are you hearing me? Now, I'm sorry to say that, but how do I know what's really happened in the hospital? I haven't walked in there. Because church, I did not really know. I went to Minneapolis after the riot. Because I wasn't going to listen to what media said. I wanted to go there and walk down the street myself and weep over America. Yes, I went there. Because you know what? Sometimes we prophesy by what we hear, not because we actually walked among them. But we have a doctrine within our denomination called the Assembly of God that is, is called divine healing. And this has gotten me in trouble. But I don't care. So if Jesus told me to cleanse lepers, then I'm, I'm supposed to cleanse those people who have been ostracized by society because they have an infectious disease. But I guess when it comes to COVID-19, my doctrines don't matter anymore. See, that's the problem. That's the problem. Because we're, because guess who's running the church? The governors are running the church. Lawyers are running the church. And Jesus is not running the church because they're more afraid of getting sued than they are preaching the gospel. But I'm going to tell you something. We also have a doctrine called laying on of hands. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And now they tell you don't lay your hands on anybody because you, you might come in contact with somebody. Come on, are you hearing what I'm saying? Because they, uh, here's the problem. You know what? If it wasn't for Pastor Morocco's hand on this young 22-year-old man, what happened? I would have never got delivered that night in Lahaina. I'm so glad he believed in the doctrine of laying out of hands because I was filled with fear and insecurity and all this brokenness, but he laid his big paw on my little forehead and knocked me out on the ground, and I have never been the same since. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And they tell you not to lay hands on the sick. Don't be afraid. Just believe. You got to see this. You got to see this. I want you to see this. Hmm. 
Let's get it together. He did not let anyone follow him. Verse 37. Everybody say that with me. He did not let anyone follow him. I want you folks to hear this. I don't want you to forget what I'm going to say to you. Because I thought Jesus wants people to follow him. Except Peter, James, and John. Why is he making an exception to Peter, James, and John? You got to understand. A crowd was following him, but only one was touching him. Jesus is not looking for followers. He's looking for disciples. And let me just tell you right now. Tell your pastor to stop it because I'm losing it. <laughs> because I'm getting hit by the Holy Ghost really bad trying to control myself. Because when, here's what's happening right now. Jesus, right now, what this season in the church has done is the, this season has proven who are really the Peter, James, and John and who are really the followers. So do not look at decrease as a calamity. But what God is doing is God is shifting to where who, because you know what? He's only taking certain people with him. And I'm not talking about your eternal salvation. What I'm talking about is I'm talking about going deeper in your faith, going deeper in God, going more, having more of his presence, more of his power, more of his demonstration, more of an anointing, more of his wisdom, and not just be satisfied with just, with just one miracle, but you're pressing in for something you've never seen before. Are you hearing me? That you don't even have a paradigm for. That it's not even written in the history book. Because what we're going to do and what Alaska and KC is going to do is this church is going to rewrite history for this state. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because there's some Peter, James, and Johns in this church right now. For the rest of you who want to stay back, I, I got to dismiss you right now because you can't go where I'm going because you're a part of the crew that puts the facts and the data more than you do above faith. I'm sorry. I'm sorry if that hurts you. I'm not, I really am. But that's the word. Are you hearing me? He, just, he basically did not let anyone follow him. And honestly, you know, it's not like that everywhere, but there are pockets of growth, and I praise God that KC is growing. Praise God. But as I travel across the country, I realize is that a lot of churches, some, you know, 70% of the congregation hasn't come back. And that's a huge hit. That's a huge hit. But honestly, what I believe is because of Jesus saying, you can't follow me. You can't follow me now. I'm going to have to dismiss you. 
Not because I don't love you. But where I'm going, I need people that believe that I can do anything. Who aren't afraid. Who just believe. Who aren't looking for a theological understanding or an intellectual massage. Or not looking. They, they, they don't even have a paradigm for what I'm going to do. But they just trust me to do anything. Let me stop. Let me let me let me read on because I can preach this all night because it's not something, Pastor Daniel, that I read. Something that was burning inside of me. It's like fire shut up in my bones because what God needs is a gyrus, a gyrus. And I pray that God would raise up every person within the sound of my voice in this room as gyruses. When they came home, when they came to the home, excuse me, verse 38, of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion, the people crying and wailing loudly. Noise doesn't mean a move of God. Just because there's a lot of commotion doesn't mean that revival has hit the church. And more than any time in history, there's a lot of commotion in the culture. People are crying and wailing loudly. But they're not crying out for God. They're not wailing in repentance. They're crying out of their own pain and brokenness over what has happened. And what has happened is real. Let me just tell you, this stuff is real. There's, I, I just got a, I, on the way here, I got a text. Please pray. Pray for my uncle who just tested positive to, for COVID. He's in the hospital. I'm not saying that this is not real. It is so real. It is so real. But what I am saying is right now, I don't want to get caught up in the commotion of the culture and miss what God gave me and that vision that God has placed that the commotion should not determine whether Jesus is going to lay hands on me or my family or my church and do a miracle for me. The commotion necessarily is not the thus saith the Lord. And they're crying out for what God wants to heal. Now listen to this, verse 39, I, I, want, I, want you to tell you, I want you to see this. He went in and said to them, why all this commotion and wailing? The, then he begins to prophesy. Because the commotion is over the dead daughter. The commotion is over the condition of the church in America. The church is making a lot of commotion right now, wailing, crying out. The child, he begins to prophesy, the child is not dead, but asleep. That means God in the flesh began to prophesy about the condition. And it was opposite of what they were wailing and making a commotion over. She's not dead. She's asleep. Oh, come on. Come on right now. 
Come on right now. When God begins to prophesy, that begins to change the entire narrative. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And that's what God wants you to do. God wants you to line your lips with his words and you speak his words out of his lips. The child's not dead. America's not dead, but asleep. And I came to wake her up. I came to woke her up. I came to heal her. I came to set her free. You would have thought that their response would have been one of relief, of joy, celebration. God is here. The presence of God is here. He just took care of a woman that was bleeding for 12 years. Imagination has turned prophetic, but when you don't have an imagination, even the truth of what Jesus says doesn't affect your soul. And the interesting thing, ladies and gentlemen, is this part I wish I didn't have to read, but I would be a false prophet if I didn't read it. The child's not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. Now, I give you permission to laugh at me. You can even laugh at Meliana. But don't laugh at Jesus. Don't laugh at what he prophesied. How could that guy prophesy over that dude? Don't you know who he is? He's addicted. Better not laugh at what Jesus prophesies over somebody. And the problem is that sometimes when you have no vision and no imagination, you laugh at what God says. And you end up mocking what God says. Now let me just tell you, let me just tell you right now, a lot of people in the community have laughed at you. So guess what's going to happen? It's for your gain. It's for their loss. Because it's interesting what happens when they laugh at Jesus because they could have gone farther because, ladies and gentlemen, listen to what it says. But they laughed at him. Okay, you want to laugh at me? After he put them all out. Everybody say, put them all out. Can I tell you something? I don't want to be put out. I want to go in. I want to go further than I've ever been. Church, in my life, I've had the opportunity to experience moves of God all over the country. I have the opportunity to see miracles and things that I just shake my head about the power of God. But let me just tell you, I want to go further. Because I don't want Jesus to put me out because I laughed at his ability to do something I have never seen before. Because how does a church build a $20 million building? People are laughing at you. You're crazy. 
But let me tell you what Jesus is going to do. You go ahead and laugh at my son. Laugh at my daughter. Guess what? You won't go in. I'll put you out. That's why you. That's why. This is why. That's why when your pastor gets up here and prophesies and decrees and shouts and sweats and spits and all that stuff, you're not getting COVID nineteen. What you are getting is you're getting an injection of faith on the inside of you. But if you sit there in the back of the church and laugh, oh, that's just Pastor Daniel. That's just his personality. Then here's what God's going to do. Okay, I'm not taking you in. They laughed at him. And then it's interesting. I, I can tell you, every year I go to a church, and I won't tell you where in the country it is because they may be watching. But they run 2,500 on Sunday morning. They have three Sunday morning services, praise God. I thought they won't cancel, and they didn't. They, they had me come, and uh, there was only 300 people. You say, what happened to the other 2,200? Jesus put them out. Honestly, because he's finding out who is really his and who is not his. But here I have 300 people in this room tonight that are his. We are his. He ain't putting me out. I'm his. Wherever God goes, that's where I'm going. Wherever God is moving toward, that's where I'm headed to. Wherever God's going to do, that's where I'm going. I'm not going to laugh at what I never see. Whether he's walking on water, climbing up the wall, it don't matter. I'm going where God is going. Put them all out. I'm going to start wrapping this up now. After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him. I love this language. And he went in where the child was. Say, went in. Can I tell you? I came all the way from Orlando, Florida to tell you God's taking you in. God's taking the team. God's taking Casey, Alaska in. Why am I taking him in? Because you believe me. You didn't laugh at me. You didn't mock me. You didn't, you didn't question what I did or what I don't. That here I go to you and I have this image and it doesn't come to pass. And I get hit and I get hit with all this stuff. And it looks like my imagination is going to happen. But you just tell me, don't be afraid, just believe. And now I get to go in with you? I get to go in. And it's interesting that only... Five went in. Five out of the whole crowd. <laughs> Who is going to go in tonight? To go in where the problem is. To go in where the real need is. Go into where a miracle is needed. To go in. And listen. And he took her by the hand and said to her, 
the fan calm, which means, little girl, I say to you, get up. You know what just happened? The very imagination that Jairus imagined in 23 took place right there. His imagination, ladies and gentlemen, turned prophetic. Because Jesus did exactly what Jairus imagined him to do. I have an imagination for Alaska. I had it the first time I came here. And I don't know what year that was. And we did the first prophetic conference. There was an imagination. And then at 05, and that's what, a year later, pastor was here. Why? Because an image was released. An imagination, and not just us, but not just me, but other ministers that came as well. Why, ladies and gentlemen? Because imagination turned prophetic. Church, I say to you, get up. That is not where you're supposed to be. Now, the people that's there don't get to see it. Because you know what, ladies and gentlemen, I don't want there to be an awakening and revival, but I don't get to see it because I laughed at it. Look at the condition. Look at the facts of America. Look at the political atmosphere and the hatred and the, the disrespect and the dishonor of the way we are treating people now. The racial divide, all the things that are happening, and that at the moment you're talking about an awakening, give me a break. Little girl, I say to you, get up. Because, Chris, God's going to lay his hand on your son. I prayed for your son this afternoon. And you're going to see it. You're going to see it. How many want God to lay his hand on your family? How many have a vision for God laying his hand on Alaska? Come on. Praise God for what God did in Kentucky in 1801. But how about, how about right now in 2020 and 2021? Place your hand on Alaska, God. Little girl, I say to you, get up. Listen to this as I close tonight. Immediately. The girl stood up and began to walk, listen to this, around. She was what? The woman with the issue of blood, how long did she bleed for? Why do you think Mark put that in there? Twelve is the number of government, which means I'm ruler over every issue. I'm the ruling authority over COVID-19, over racial divide. I'm the ruler over America. I'm the ruler over the presidency. I'm the ruler of the nations. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I'm the ruler over the church. I'm the ruler over your life. And it doesn't matter what issue it is, I'm the ruler over it. And this is what happened. I love this. It says, 
At this, they were completely astonished. Now, honestly, I believe that the only person that was not astonished was Jairus. I believe Jairus was weeping and laughing at the same time. Joy and tears at the same time. Some of you in 2021 are going to have joy and tears at the same time. Because what you've imagined has just come to pass. My brother right here, could you please stand up? Yes, sir. Just come and stand right over here. Stretch with your hands to this man of God. My goodness. What you do is you stir the pot. Your passion stirs the pot. Your energy stirs the pot. And son, what's going to happen? And I, and I, you know, I'm going to just say this. There's an impartation of spiritual passion coming on you right now that God's placed on you where he's going to mark you with this verse for the rest of your life. Luke 24, 32, that said, did not our hearts burn within us when he explained the scripture to us? Your burning heart for the presence of God and the word of the Lord is going to turn people who are going in the wrong direction in life. But when you begin to open your mouth and decree the word of the Lord, they will turn around and run back to their destiny and run back to the place they never should have left. I am telling you by the Spirit, something. What is going to happen, even within the contents of this state, you're going to go to small villages. And what's going to happen is you're going to turn villages around. You're going to turn companies around. You're going to turn people around. And what is going to happen, son, is a lot of people say, well, you know what? He, he doesn't have the resume. He doesn't have all the degrees. And the Lord says you have something that is greater than a degree and greater than a resume. It's a burning heart for the Son of God and a burning heart for a move of God. And because of that, I'm going to use that burning heart, and I'm going to make it hotter. I'm going to make it greater. I'm going to have it. It's going to, it's going to burn inside of you where people are going to literally say, why is he spending so much time in the prayer room? Why is he spending so much time laying before the Lord? It's because the Lord is giving him prophetic strategy for the season he's entering in. And without a strategy, he cannot fulfill what God has called him to do. And with the strategy I'm giving you, I'm giving you greater responsibility, son. Because I trust you, says the Lord. I trust you with the sacred. This is crazy. But the Lord, because I know the history of KC, it's been sort of a, a spiritual battle of really having a vibrant ministry school. But I hear the Lord say, you're going to be very much involved in the resurrection and the excellence of a ministry school that actually produces, 
produces apostles and prophets and evangelists, pastors and teachers. Because, 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 son, you have a burning heart for my people. And I'm taking you in. I'm taking you in, son. And the reason why I'm taking you in, because three years ago, not 2017, you suffered, you suffered a blow that, that came from your own house to question the vision God gave you. That God said, you better pray right now. All over the room. You get a word like that. You get a word like that. It's like overwhelming. But how many want to see that word spoken over my brother come to pass? That means if we love him and love his family, we're not going to kill his imagination. We're going to fuel it. We're going to fuel the vision. That part, please. And the healing that's being released to you will even be fully released as you release your voice over the sound of the waters and over the confusion and over the strife and over even the denomination as you declare, as you thunder the word of the Lord that's soaked and saturated in the prayer closet, as you humbly release this word, there will come division and separation and healing and there'll be addition and there'll be subtraction, but you'll find your place and you'll find the fullness of the manifested healing and even the voice and the, the report that came from the doctor over your voice and over your throat is not from me it's from the enemy but as you break as you pray as you prophesy you'll see peals of thunder and lightning and answer to prayer and you'll see a resurrection come even to those that are near and dear to you fresh fires coming to your home fresh fires coming to your house fresh fires coming to the church again I'm going to line and reassign I'm going to scrape off the dross says the Lord there's others that are among you you're like 7,000 more it's that times that you felt like you were alone, but you're not alone, says the Lord. And I'm putting my hand upon you, and I'm going to birth forth this move of the Spirit and fully heal your vocal cords in your throat in Jesus' name. Be healed in the name of Jesus as you find your voice. You'll see the voice of others magnified and multiplied, says the Lord. Come here, young lady. Come here. Yes, yes, young lady, come here. Stand right there. Sorry, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry.
But Jesus wants to do something inside of you right now. Hold your hands out. Because you're under arrest by the Holy Ghost. You were 13 and 14. And it was like a spirit of insecurity would come over you and grip you and entangle you and lie to you. And you were standing right there and the Lord spoke to me and he said, tell my daughter that I'm releasing the power of divine identity inside of her. That's going to break cultural strongholds and generational curses of addiction and poverty that has tried to chase her down for year after year after year and get her into a place of emotional and physical scarcity. That the scarcity is over right now that I want to you to posture yourself in a place of multiplication, not to posture yourself in a place as what if they don't accept me because you've been accepted because of the cross. And the Lord says right now that even within the family unit, there has been words spoken over you, even by, even by parents that didn't really know, have the skill or the tools to equip you in a way that would catapult you into God's purpose and plan for your life. Not because they are bad people, because they were broken themselves. And the Lord says, right now, daughter, you are free. You are free to roam. You are free to run. And I'm raising up you as an eagle in your generation because there's something about you. Ever since you was a little girl, there's something about you. If I see a picture, one thing I know about the eagle is that when another eagle has been injured, that eagle will come down and rescue its fellow eagle and bring him up to a place of a nest of healing. And there's so many people in our culture whose wings are clipped. And I need you to be so healed that you can go and rescue your fellow eagles and get them into the nest of safety and healing, says the Lord. Father, from the top of her head to the sole of her feet, touch her right now in the name of Jesus never to be the same again there it is God is touching you right now now fill her with the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues right now fill her with the spirit of the Lord right now never to be the same again hallelujah 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 we need to do something we need to do something I don't, I don't want to stop but we need to do something presence of God. How many feel the presence of God in this room? How many want your imagination to turn prophetic? I'm going to give the microphone to your pastor. We're going to sow into this word. Right after that, we're not done. 
We're going to go right back into ministry right now. Let me just tell you. Sowing should never hinder the move of the Spirit. It should increase the move of the Spirit. And I don't know about you, but I want my imagination to turn prophetic for this young lady. This precious young lady. She's a soul and she has value in her. And she needs your help to fulfill her destiny. Pastor Danny. If you could all be seated, if you're able to. Unless you're being touched, you can stay right where you're at. Ushers, would you help us? We're going to go ahead and give tonight. Envelope to record your giving. Just go ahead and get the attention of the ushers that will assist you. There's numerous ways to give online. The text to give. You can give through the app. You can give through the website. All secure means. Pray so into this work. God's bringing a great awakening across the land. I do believe that we have our, our part to play. So thankful for the body of Christ and for what God's doing all around the world and what he's doing here in the state. I think my wife said it rightly. Oh God, don't pass us by. Oh God, help us to do our part, that which you've ordained. Before the beginnings of the foundations of the world, God, don't pass us by, God. Oh, God, don't pass us by. There's a changing. There's a, there's a new wineskin that God's going to pour new wine into. I want to be a part of that. How about you? That's what we're sowing into, a gyrus anointing, a spirit of gyrus. What a great word. Making out a check, make out to kings. We'll send the entirety of this offering to our beloved Harkies. And um, how many be thankful for them? All right, ushers, would you come? Let's pray. Father, we thank you and uh, praise you for the gift that you've given us in this marvelous young couple, this family. We pray that you'd bless them, that you would provide supernaturally, equipping them, enabling them to go on city to city, nation to nation, to bring forth the word of the Lord, to heal the sick and set the captives free. Lord, we sow a seed. We expect, Lord, a multiplication of that seed, not only in their lives, but also in ours. It is our deep desire that we would become like Jairus, that we would have our hearts tuned, our faces set like a flint towards the call and the purpose for which we're in the earth. We ask that your power would come upon them and upon us and enabling us to do all that you've called us to do, that we would see a great outpouring. What you did in 1801, do in 21, 2021, and 2020. Lord, we thank you that you've called us to be a part of it. We say yes. Won't you say that to him? We say yes in Jesus' name. 
Amen. Ushers, go ahead. You take the enemy meant for evil and turn it for good. You turn it for good. You take what the enemy meant for evil and turn it for good. You turn it for good. Amen. You may be seated. I may want to be a Jairus in your generation. As Pastor Daniel was sharing the offertory, I couldn't help but think this in my mind. Jairus did something million that I never saw before until tonight. He brought Jesus into the synagogue. He brought Jesus into the church. Sometimes we're waiting for Micah to bring Jesus in the church as he's in now. He's anointed. But what would happen if all of us brought Jesus into the What happens if before we even got here, we, we fell down at his feet? He said, Jesus, come to Casey. We didn't wait for Pastor Karen to preach a good word or Hannah to come back from college. Or Danny to get on the drums or the piano. Or any of the other ministers or Vince to minister or any of the ministers in here. But we, we encountered Jesus before we ever got here. Because we, we had an image in our mind that he was going to lay hands on people and see people healed. Because we were so in love with the church. Because I, I have to tell you, I, I, I you know, some, I'm not going to mention names, but I'm just going to say this. Why would a minister be abrasive to the bride of Christ? Instead of having to image Jesus, lay your hands on your bride. How many are ready to see Jesus lay his hands on the bride? Hannah, could you please stand up? I want to pray for you. If you could just stand there, and I'd like Pastor Karen and Meliana to just gather around you. We're so proud of you and so, so, so blessed you becoming the woman of God that you are. I just want to say something. You're scary prophetic. The ministry that God has for you, I'm going to lay something out for you. But you just hate nonsense. And 
a lot of times, you know, sometimes just growing up in ministry, my kids grew up in ministry, it's easy for us parents to sort of shape them in something that we want them to be rather than allowing them the freedom to become what God wants them to be. And I just heard the word of the Lord. You're free here to do what you believe God wanted you to do. You don't have anything to prove. You don't have to perform. You don't have to be a KC pastor. You don't, in order for you to fulfill the call of God on your life. Because there's a moment, it's, it, it's not like something you, but it's like this, sub, this conscience pressure that has come upon you just recently, the last six months, is you're entering into a season of transition where the, just, just, just sort of like you fit a mold. But the thing about you is you've never fit a mold. You have never, anytime a person puts you in a mold, you rebelled. And that's because God made you that way. He said, no, no, I'm not, I ain't doing that. See, because nobody can make Hannah do, do anything. Because if you make her, see, here's what's going to happen. You make her do something, she's, she's not going to do the opposite. That's what God made her. That's because of that prophetic gift in you, Hannah. You have a Jeremiah anointing on you. Your brother's a lover. You need him because he sort of helps the balance side of you. And you're, you, you know, you, you're the, the husband that God has, you're very docile, very gentle, very quiet. Because, you know, you're, you're going to be like, it has to be this way. And people will say you're opinionated. No, you're a visionary and you have spiritual eyesight. And I'm, I, I'm just going to, I'm just going to say something to you. You're going to bring right theology back to the church. Because inside your spirit, there's something that you, you yearn for. You're not done. You're not done learning. You're not done. You're not even done school. You're going to get your master's. It's because of where God's taken you. Because of where God is shaping you. Because what you're going to do is you're going to be a professor on fire. A theologian on fire. Where people of a certain mold and shape want to be in your classrooms and under you. Because... <laughs> they're tired of stale religion. Because there's, see, there's nothing stale about you. And yet at the same time, Hannah, you don't care what anybody thinks. I'm going to go have fun. Whether you think it's wrong or not. And let me just tell you, you are going to break religious mindsets over people of God. And the Lord says, do not become, be afraid to confront. Because you will confront, not with hatred and not with anger, but with truth. Because, you know, I, I preached this morning about Solomon bringing a sword. 
you got two swords in heaven. You got two swords, one in your left hand and one in your right. Because what you're going to do is you're going to cut away. And God's got your ministry is going to be a cutaway type ministry of all the nonsense to get people back to what's important in order for spiritual maturity to happen. Because God is putting you on a fast track of spiritual maturity just because of what you because you're gonna you're you're gonna be helping a lot of people because your your reach is not just Alaska. You're gonna be discovered. You're gonna go to Europe. You're gonna you're gonna go to places that you've learned to go as a little girl, and 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 simply and you're gonna do you're gonna do ministry, but it's gonna look much different, much different than the model that you've seen because you are unique in your own individual. Because you'll find yourself sort of back and forth between the marketplace and church, marketplace and church, simply because of the way God has made you. Father, from the top of her head. So I'll repeat the, the last scripture that he read tonight. And he said, little girl, get up. And the scripture right next to it, it says, and everyone that saw it, they were astonished. What God has given you, and you already know that God is going to fulfill and accomplish what he has given you. Don't worry and don't be afraid. Don't be anxious. But God is saying, Hannah, be courageous. Be strong. He spoke that word tonight because he wants you to get up. Because when you get up, not saying that you are weak, no. But when you get up and fulfill and accomplish everything that God has spoken to you and God has planned and destined you to do, everyone around you, they will be astonished. And it will have nothing to do with you, Hannah. But because of the power of God, that will display in your life because you are willing you were willing to get up and accomplish everything that God have destined you to do. Lord, I thank you for your daughter tonight. I thank you, Jesus, that you have spoken this word because you, because you want to use her, oh God, to astonish, oh God, her generation, not because of her, but because of your Power in your work in her life that will draw her generation to believe in you and trust in you, God. I thank you, Jesus, for the confidence that you have imparted to her. She will rise up and know who she is. Thank you, Father, and accomplish that what you have said. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on and give God a shout of praise in the house right now. I want every head bowed, every eye closed across the room. And no one looking around. If you're here tonight and you say, preacher, you know what? I came into this environment. I don't, I've never been in a place like this before. Can I tell you something right now? You're in the blessed place you could be. With every head bowed and every eye closed, no one looking.
looking around. I want to ask you a question. Is there anybody in the room that I was preaching about Jairus, but that you haven't really encountered God? You haven't made Jesus the Lord of your life. He's not Lord. His name is Jesus, but he's not Lord. Or maybe you're in this room, and maybe you're in a place of you've sort of slipped off the deep end, got sucked into the vacuum of the cultural narrative and said, let me just say this. Let me just say this. If you aren't hungry for the word, if you're not hungry to worship, if you're not hungry for the presence of God, and you're not hungry to fellowship with other believers, you are not saved. You're not saved. Because there's something called the fruit of salvation. Because if you're hungry for God's presence, you're hungry for God's word, and you're, you're hungry for God's power, and hungry to be with other believers, you are saved. But if you're not, how can you be saved? And if you're in that condition, nobody in this room is condemning you. I've been there. I've been there. I was there when I was 22 years old. That was 36 years ago. I've been there. But when I got saved, something happened. I had a hunger for God's word, a hunger to worship, a hunger to be in church, a hunger to fellowship, and a hunger to see the power of God. But if you're in that condition tonight, there's an opportunity for you to recommit your life and, and, and actually be saved and be born again. With heads bowed and people praying, if that is you, on the count of three, I want you to raise your hand. One, two, three. Raise your hand. That's me, preacher, really high. I see that hand, young man. I see that hand. I see that hand, sir, in the back. I see that hand in the back there. I see that hand over to my left right now. I see that hand all over the room. I want everyone to put your hands down. Here's what I want you to do. Here, I want everyone to look up for just a moment. Here, here's the thing. There's something I know about the leadership of this church, being a part of this church for 36 years. There is nobody in this church that would ever want to embarrass you or shame you. Every leader that I know that I have a relationship with wants one thing, you to fulfill and become the person that God wants you to be and will do whatever they can to make that thing happen, make that happen. But the Bible says that if we confess him before men, he will accept us. But if we deny him before men, he will reject us. Right? That's what it says, right? So when we make a public confession that we belong to Jesus, see, we belong to Jesus. It's not a private confession. It's not just between me and, me and God. It's also a public confession that I belong to Jesus. He says, if you deny me before men, I will deny you before the Father in heaven. If you accept me before men, I will accept you before the Father in heaven. That's what he says. So if you raise your hand, here's what I want you to do. On the count of three, I want you to stand up and I want you to come down here. One, two, three. Come down here right now. 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 Come down here. Come down here. Thank you. Come on, give God a praise. Come on, give God a praise. Right now, give God a praise. Precious family right here. If I could have your attention up here in the front as well as you in the audience, I want you to do this for me. 
The reason we say this is with our mouth we confess and with our heart we believe. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to put your hand in your heart, those of you in the front. I just want you to say this prayer after me, this confession, and those in the audience, I want you to join me. Say this after me. Jesus, here I stand in your presence. Tonight, I make this confession. I need you. I need your power, and I need your grace, and I need your mercy. And right now, I believe that you died on the cross and that you rose again so I could have eternal life. And tonight, I commit myself to your lordship and your leadership. And right now, I believe that you died for me so I could experience you, be healed by you, and be set free by you. So right now, I make you the king of my life in the name of Jesus. Now lift your hands in a sign of surrender to God all over the congregation. Micah, just sing a song. I'm going to come over and I'm going to put my hands on you. And the power of God's going to touch you right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, as I lay my hands on these right now, I pray, oh God, that your power would fill every single person within the sound of my voice. I pray that your glory and your presence would touch them right now.
there's someone in the room right now that that you have a problem with kidney stones. Jesus wants to heal you. Where are you? Will you stand up and wreck it? Will you just give me a wave offering if that's you, kidney stones? If that's you, ma'am. Come up here. Come up here. Is there anybody else? Is there anybody else? Is there anybody else? Just, just stand about. Just come a little closer. If you could just stop right where you're standing. Lift your hands like you're under the rest because the power of God is going to hit you. David, Mrs. Davis, would you come over here and help me put your hand on her belly right now? Father, in the name of Jesus, heal your daughter right now in the name of Jesus, never to be the same again. There it is. God is touching you right now, never to be the same again. Touch her right now. Heal her right now in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Can we give God a shout of praise in the house? I want everyone to stand all over. Everyone stand all over the building. Put your hand on your heart all over the room. And play something softly for me, Micah. I want you to say this. Jesus, tonight, I did not hear a sermon. I heard an invitation. My heart, my spirit say yes. And right now, by the power of the Spirit, turn me into a gyrus that has an imagination that turns prophetic, that actually believes that you, Lord Jesus, would place your hand on the church, on my loved ones, on America, on the state of Alaska, and watch her be healed before my very eyes. In the name of Jesus. Now I can have your attention just for a moment. Because just in a couple of moments, I'm going to hand the microphone over to your pastor. But I just want to say this. This morning, I didn't get to finish something. Moses' mother built a little ark. And her imagination turned prophetic. Now think about this. Come here, young lady. Come here. Come stand with me over here. You're going to be standing up here one day. Just stand with me. Just stand with me. Don't go nowhere. Just stand with me. You're getting an impartation right now. Isn't she a wonderful young lady? Come on. Meliana, come stand. Hold her hand. Hold, hold her, this young lady's hand. We still hold hands, you know. Can I say something? Can I say something to you? What kind of faith would it take for Moses' mother to put a baby in an ark and push him down the river? You have to have an imagination there. But here's what's going to happen this week. What we're going to do is we're going to put people in a prophetic stream because that Nile River turned prophetic 
when Moses went into that river. We have to put the people of Alaska in a prophetic stream. We put, had to put our governor in a prophetic stream. We have to put our health officials. We got to put the nurses and doctors in a prophetic stream, ladies and gentlemen. Why? So they can be guided by the river of God. Are you hearing me? Guided by his providence. And let me just say this to you. Where there is no prophetic stream, babies die. Little girls die. But you better praise God you're in a church that has a prophetic stream. Your pastor's a prophet. Your pastor's a prophet. I know he goes by the title of Pastor Daniel, but he's a prophet. I, I've, been, I've done conferences with him around the country. I want to say this to you. You get in a prophetic stream, and the providence of God will rescue you and cause your destiny to be fulfilled. Lift your hands to Jesus. I'm going to pray for you right now. Father, this young lady is going to do things that's never been done before. Not because she's a beautiful young lady and has a tender spirit, but because she has an imagination like Moses' mother ever since she was a little girl. She builds arcs for sons and daughters and puts them in the stream. And I hear the word of the Lord saying that you're going to be very much involved in fighting sex trafficking. That you're going to actually go to Europe. But you're actually going to go to Amsterdam. You're going to rescue my daughters out of pain. And you're going to put them in the stream, out of the stream of trauma, into the stream of the prophetic. And they're going to be set ablaze because of your willingness to invest in their heart. You have the spirit of counsel all over you. You have more wisdom than your age because God has poured into you here after year, after year, after year. The Lord says you're going to even further your education. You're going to get a degree in psychology and counseling. And the Lord says that God's going to use those skills and uh, coupled with the Spirit of God. And you're going to be very precise. And people are going to set free sitting with you, talking with you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Give God a shout of praise right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, give them praise in the house of God. Thank you for joining today's podcast. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, you can partner with us and give at kcalaska.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our channel and enjoy more messages like this one.